the Hayes Exchange. So we're going to jump right in on this because, you know, there's a little family feud in my household between Florida A&M and North Carolina. First and foremost, talk to me a little bit about how you chose A&T, your HBCU experience, and how A&T prepared you for the world. Wow. Okay. So honestly, A&T was not on my radar. I didn't apply to A&T until the second semester. Like I knew I was going to Florida State. I did band in high school. So I went to like their music camps. I spent three summers there. And then I applied to Spelman, um, Howard. And then I applied to A&T and it was an amazing process. The online system was swift. Like you needed any help. If you were having any problems, you could do like a little chat button and they came up on the screen. So like the application process was so smooth. And then I got my acceptance maybe in less than a month. And then I got my scholarship uh, letter and I had all these different like, oh, here's your here's your chancellor scholarship, here's your academic scholarship, here's your merit scholarship. Oh, and here's some from the alumni associations. Here's uh, the DC Alumni Association, the Georgia Alumni Association. Like they gave me a full like breakdown of my scholarship. So I'm sitting over here like, oh, okay. But I still had decided on Florida State. It wasn't until I did a campus tour during my spring break. And I swear that next night I was saying Aggie pride in my sleep. Like for one, our campus is just so beautiful and they do so well of like keeping it up and putting new buildings. But the history on our campus, you can feel like you walk on the campus and random students are saying hello to you as if I'm a student and professors are stopping to talk to you. Like the pride is just like you felt so loved and you felt like home. And like one thing I love about my HBCU is that we have a global network. You can meet an Aggie anywhere. I met an Aggie in South Korea. I had a network of Aggies in Ghana, um, one that was a Delta that like really took me under her wing. And then uh, I had met Aggies in Costa Rica. Like you meet Aggies everywhere and they're so willing to help you and they're so loving. As soon as they see you go to A&T, it's like having another family. And they prepared me so much for the world. I can interact with anybody I meet because my school is so diverse. It's so loving. Like, I just love my HBCU. Like, there's no school better than North Carolina A&T. Like, that was fantastic. I love hearing about people's HBCU experience and how they actually identify their school. Had a similar experience. I was supposed to go to Vanderbilt, but I went to FAMU probably a couple weeks ago. started. I walked on mm-hmm. people dressed in suits. I saw beautiful people. So speaking of your your experience at A&T, talk to us a little bit about campus life. Uh, okay, campus life. Um, so I was in the band all four years in college. So my campus experience started off a little differently because I was there three weeks before school even started. Nobody was on campus for band camp. And then once people started getting onto campus, that's when it it became real. I was like, oh, I'm going to HBCU. I'm in college. Let's turn up. No, I had classes all day. And then by four o'clock, I had to be in the band room dressed and ready for practice. So my whole like freshman year, first semester, I felt like I went to A&T, but I really didn't go to A&T. Like I did class and I was in band. 
And then and then by then I was going to the library for like 10 o'clock doing homework because I just was trying to make good grades. So I didn't really go to NT until second semester. And then that's when I saw that what going to like a real HBCU was like going in the student center before noon to get lunch and seeing all the people sitting outside playing double dutch. Like I just knew I was living the life. The campus has like a lot of programs and like things to do. I feel like there was always something to do on campus. So like HBCU life, campus life is the best life. Stay on campus. Don't stay off campus. You were obviously super busy. I know band, they practice around the clock. How did you find time to fit even an interest in study abroad? Oh my gosh. Okay. So at first, like I always knew my first experience abroad was in 2014 when I was in high school. And that was my first time ever even thinking about going abroad. It was through a high school program and we did seven countries in Europe. So I knew after that experience um, that I really wanted to go abroad again. And I knew that I didn't want to go to Europe. Like I was trying to, I was trying to voyage into the unknown. My first two years, I was actually out of state. And if I knew what I knew now, I would have went abroad while I was out of state because your out of state tuition, you know, covers most of like the programs. But a lot of the programs cost a lot of money, which would be my out of state tuition. So if I knew then, I probably would have studied abroad in my first two years because I was out of state. But I wanted to be in band. I wanted to be involved. Can you clarify that a bit? So if you are out of state student, you're saying that some of those costs can be offset just simply by being an offset? Uh, by simply by being an out of state student, like CIEE's program, for an example, because I know a lot about their program, can range anywhere from, depending on where you go, from 16 uh, to 30, I think. And when you're an out of state student and your usual semester cost or your usual year cost is like 32. If you pay housing to your school, if you have a meal planning, your out-of-state tuition costs, um, you can use that money towards your study abroad program. So instead of coming out of pocket for a lot of things, if you're in-state that you usually don't have to like pay for, you can use your full out-of-state tuition and it usually covers all of your study abroad program. In some cases, you have some extra. Well, you know what? That's something that's come out of many of the interviews that we've had that I didn't know. I didn't mm-hmm. know you could use a semester's tuition toward a study abroad. Towards a study abroad program. Right. So you have your first high school experience. You visit seven countries in Europe, but that that bit you. You had that travel bug. What was the next country? After that, you're like, where where did you go next after you Okay, my next country was Korea. And, you know, to jump from never being been out the country, not even having a passport to then going to Europe to then going to South Korea. That's like, the, you know, that's a big jump. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know. OK, so it was actually through like an internship like program that I didn't find out about until I went uh, until I did my 2016 uh, Congressional Black Caucus Foundation internship. And that's actually when I found out about this program. And one of my CBCF cohort members sent it to me. And when I uh, when I did CBCF, I was a freshman. 
this program was for juniors and seniors. First of all, applause to you because we both did CBCF internships and I didn't do it until like my senior year. And uh, I think I did it after I graduated. So you were, when I found out you were in a uh, Congressional Black Caucus Foundation intern as a freshman, I'm like, who she know? She got, she... Listen, I didn't know any, I, I just applied. Uh, I had found out about the internship. One of my academic advisors at a sent it to me and was like, you know, I'm a poli sci major. So she was like, I know you're a freshman, but I think you should apply to this. I, I think you should try. Let's just, let's just try and see what happens. So I applied, you know, and I had no clue about it. And she said, she was like, do this today. I'll do your recommendation. If you need another one, we'll work on getting you another one. Like, let's just see where this goes. So I was like, okay, this lady is crazy. Mind you, she's been my academic advisor all throughout college. She's one of the best people ever. She went to Spelman. And then I got it. And then she was like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What did I say? And CBCF, like, was honestly, like, if I didn't have that, first internship foundation with CBCF, I don't think I would have done any of these things. Um, my cohort, we did it during the summer. My cohort was mostly seniors, uh, people who had graduated, and they just like lifted me up so much. I was the baby of the program. Like they really invested in me. Like they encouraged me. Like they sent me opportunities all the time. It was like, you should do this. You should do this. Like they, and we're still friends to this day. Whenever I go to DC, a lot of them still live there. Like we meet up. I still talk to them. They were like the foundation, you know, to all of this. So the CBCF uh, cohort member who had put in the group chat was like, okay, some of y'all know y'all can apply, but Naja you know, you can. So I looked and I, you know, wasn't eligible yet. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna keep this one in my back pocket. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it. So then 2018 reopened it. I looked at the application and I was like, am I really going to do this? I don't know anything about Korea. I don't know the language. I've never been to Asia. I don't even have a Korean friend. Like I know nothing. And I was looking at the application and you had to get like a letter of recommendation from your congressman or a congressman in your area. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. How am I going to get this letter? Like, I'm not going to do this. So at first I was like, I'm not going to apply. Then I applied and I wanted to get in the congressional letter. And then maybe like three weeks later, I got it. Mind you, this was the year that I had applied to 51 plus internships and got rejected to every single one of them from my sophomore year, from the beginning of August to to basically May, June. I got rejected to everything I applied to every single internship. And I was by then I was like, I'm not applying no more. I'm just going to work this semester because clearly I don't have it. And I was like broken down. In May, I got this acceptance to go to Korea, like after the 51st rejection letter came this, and it was just amazing. Was that program connected to the CBCF, or was it a program through your university? No, it was a program through, it's a joint, like a cooperative program with Meridian and the U.S. State Department. And it's the U.S. Congress and Republic of Korea National Exchange Program. And uh, Meridian is like the providers, Meridian International. They're a huge uh, 
a big international corporation in DC and they do like exchange programs for Congress people and students and like they do it for everybody and they're so great. And it was through them. So you apply through them and then they like do everything. Like we had to do nothing and other than like study and like learn and get ready for the program. Like everything was taken care of by them and it was such a smooth process. And we had to arrive in DC because the first part of the program was in DC. And this was when, and the unique part of the program was we had Korean counterparts who came from South Korea and they were doing the program here in the US while we were going to Korea. So for that first week and a half, we were all together. And that week we each got assigned a person. We had to take them around DC and we had to like really like give like a taste of us to them, like our culture and who we were. And so my counterpart was Chil Young. We had so much fun like that week. We went to like the Apple store, of course, so she could like buy headphones and like we went to museums in DC. Um, I think we went, which museums do we go to? I think we went to the African-American Museum because I really wanted to give her like me, like a part of me and my culture, like something they don't like get every day. And we went to the different meetings and we went around and then that next week we were going to Korea. And I'm like on the plane, like I couldn't sleep. I'm looking through the book, trying to learn how to say like different words. I'm I'm like sitting next to my son, like, and your house, like I'm trying to practice before I get there. And the experience I had in Korea was amazing, like beyond anything I couldn't ima- could have imagined my first time in Asia. Um, I felt like I was almost like in a museum because people would stop me and take pictures and they wanted to take pictures with me. Random children running up and grabbing my legs. Like, I really felt like I was in a, like a different world. Like, uh, the food was amazing. People were so inviting and they were so nice. And I didn't expect that part. Like, I don't know what I was expecting, but I don't know. I just, I was nervous. Like, I had long marley twist in my hair like I was giving black girl you know I was giving the Philadelphia DC nausea I was giving me unapologetically and they were like taking pictures of me and like touching my hair and like you know you can tell the difference when it's genuine like genuine like wanting to know and genuine like oh my gosh then it's like making fun of so like it was genuine the whole time and people like you know touch your hair and they would like walk up to me and like try to touch my hair so that was like something I had to get used to um during the time being was like just being like me and just seeing that people like really didn't have the experience to interact with someone who looks like me so as I'm going taking the subway walking down Korean streets going to the mall people are like staring me down, asking. Some people had the courage to speak. Some people didn't want to. And probably the best experience was when I was in Koika and I was at, uh, we had a meeting at Koika that day and we got to meet with some crazy officials like the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Koika, the Ministry of Unification. Like we were going to see some heavy hitters. We were at Quaker one day for a meeting and later on we toured like the, you know, the grounds and they had like a children's library and like a little museum. So I was in the library 
And this little girl, I would never forget it because she had like the courage that I wish I had at that age. And she had been looking at me for a while, but I was, you know, minding my business. I had been used to it by then. So then I feel a little tug or I had on a kimono so I could, you know, cover my shoulders, be respectful of the culture. And I felt a little pull on my kimono. I looked down and she's like, and I'm like, and then she like runs away. So I'm thinking, uh oh, I said it wrong. You know, I did something wrong. I scared the girl. Um, But then her dad was sitting at the table. She runs to her dad and she like motions his head and like whispers something in his ear. So the dad can speak English. Um, so she whispered something in his ear. They're like whispering for a while. So I'm like, okay, let me back up out the library. Like, I don't know what just happened. So then he's like, you know, hi. Like he introduces himself and he says his daughter's name. And he's like, she really, she thinks you're really pretty. And she wants to know if she can hug you. And, you know, she wants to sit by you. I'm like in there crying. The little girl runs up to me. She hugs me. And we're like in a full embrace. Like everybody in my program is looking like, what is happening? Like the counselors are looking like, it's not like who's who child did not just steal. And she's like, she's handing me her book. She wants to like read with me. And that was like the, that was the point of the program that I was like, I love it here. Oh my gosh. So South Korea, I mean, I know it's attracted a lot of people, uh, whether mm-hmm. teach or just their culture, because they, what I have seen in the media is many South Koreans are very good, very skilled at hip hop. Mm-hmm. They are. Seoul is like, a, Seoul is like New York times 10. Like you think New York is like moving and jumping and lights everywhere. Seoul is like, it's a mega city and like we're walking through city center and uh koreans are beatboxing to their uh you know to their like to our music and they're like hip-hop dancing like k-pop it reminds me so much of hip-hop just like they just in korean they just say korean words so i join i have i have this video where i join a uh guy who was dancing in the middle of seoul city and he had his little um he had his mat he had his beatbox and i was like you know i'm gonna go dance with the man so i'm in there we dancing we battling like it was real and karaoke there is like an extreme sport there's karaoke places on every corner and they're full out karaoke to our music, to Beyonce, to Whitney. I want to run to you. I was like, oh, oh, this like they are karaoke to Usher. I mean, like doing the Usher moves, Michael. It made my heart smile, you know, to kind of like see our culture and to see like us in the remnants of like places where we might not, be, you know, get to go. People, like, we can still see our impact from music, definitely, dancing, fashion. I was like, oh, oh, we were here. Like, it's almost like we we had a touch on everything. And I think that was another thing that warmed me about the culture. Like, we, you know, went karaoke and all the time. We went to the clubs, like, and I'm black and yellow, black and yellow. Like, I'm at home. I, I'm in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta jamming. <laughs> So it was just so good to see like our impact and our reach in the world, like especially here in America, where sometimes we feel like 
we don't have a reach. We don't have a place. We don't, we just don't have, you know, it's just us. Like to see our hands, you know, to see African-American culture, like the way we dress, the way we look, the way we wear our hair. Like I was in Itaewon, which is like where all the colleges are. So it's, you know, young Koreans, college town. I met a guy from Senegal. Like I met so many Africans in Korea, like from Ghana. I met so many like people in the club and it was just so nice. And seeing Korean girls with their hair on straight backs. I was like, straight back cornrows, straight back cornrows in their mini skirts in the hips, straight back cornrows. I, I kid you not, straight back cornrows. <laughs> just, just to see our reach. You know, just to see our our influence, you know, things that we don't really think about. I've never thought about that before. You know, the only place I had been to was Europe. I didn't see us there. But in Korea, I saw like and, you know, I'm, I'm in band. I love music. You know, I play an instrument just to see just just music beyond is like a universal language and to see that we could communicate even though we you know you might not know English I sure as heck don't know Korean but we both know this song to Justin Bieber we both know this uh Whitney Houston song so we gonna bond singing I want to run to you in karaoke and we did we did that (laughs) (laughs) and we did that so it was just amazing honestly and truly those cultural exchanges right there are absolutely fantastic. Tell us, if an African-American or a person of color were to show up in South Korea, what type of opportunities are out there? Obviously, you did a world-class program, but did you see other people out there studying abroad? Did you see people of color yes. out there? What types of things were people doing? There is U.S. military there. So the lady that I actually met while I was, where was I? I had to be... I was touring somewhere. I can't even remember where exactly I was. And I I met her and, um, you know, she was a a black lady from, I want to say she was from DC. Like she was like, we was together. And, um, you know, I walked up to her and was like, you know, hi, like I'm here in a school program. And she was just saying how she's in the military and she was in Korea. But I also, a lot of uh, black people are studying abroad in Korea, like at Seoul Nationals Women's University. And then people are teaching. Like, I didn't realize how many people, apparently it's one of the best countries in Asia to come and teach English. Um, so many people can come and, and teach Fulbright. I met Fulbrighters that were there when I got to go to the U.S. Embassy. One, one time I was in Center City and I was trying on traditional uh, Korean clothing. It's called Hanbuk. And it's uh, what they wear for like wedding ceremonies. Like it's very traditional clothing. And I got to like try it on and wear it and take pictures in it. And I then met another girl who was teaching English. She had just graduated from Morgan State. I think she was four years uh, removed from school, but she was teaching English. And I was like, oh, like I wouldn't have known any of these things, like if I hadn't went to South Korea or knew somebody who had been. Um, so then when I went back to NT and I participated in like this panel that the Aggies Abroad like group uh, did a panel on Asia. I did not know how many people wanted, like were interested in going to Asia and wanted to go to South Korea. So I'm asked, uh, like people are asking me so many questions like, 
a girl um, named Angel, she wound up, wound up studying abroad there, maybe two semesters later. This guy got named Lance, he was studying abroad in Korea, but it got, you know, cut short due to COVID. So I just did not realize how, you know, many opportunities there was in Asia for us and like what it looked like. And I guess you really wouldn't know unless you knew somebody who had been before. So for you, you were able to find these opportunities through the Aggies Abroad Network and through the CBCF Network for somebody Mm -hmm. looking to capitalize on a similar opportunity. What type of networks are out there that you can tap into? There are so many. And honestly, your university or, or your high school, I didn't know that my university has a whole international studies like team like a whole international studies office on the second floor of ACB where you can go and talk to someone about study abroad internships like I had no idea I just thought you know ACB had all the flags in there you know of all the countries in the world but they were actually flags of all the countries Aggies had been to and you go to the office of international you know studies on the second floor and there's like a whole team that you can talk to, there's pamphlets, and then Aggies Abroad uh, was a group of like Aggies who have been abroad, who have been study abroad, internships. Uh, your department um, has different opportunities for like small two week programs. And even in high school, like I found out with the international program through my counselor, like counselors get a whole lot of. Uh, international opportunities or like colleges, like things that you can do if you just go visit your counselor and you say like you're interested in these things, they give it to you. But a lot of times, and I hate to say this, in our community, international ventures, like you don't really think you can go abroad like me where you can't afford it or you don't have a passport or you think it's totally out of your reach, or you've never even thought about it because unfortunately in our community, we're not told these things like growing up, like we don't have the long money where we can take our first international trip was when we were 10 with our parents and we went to visit our grandparents in Italy. No, like we don't have that. So you have to like, like for me, it was really like opening my mind, asking questions, you know, just asking teachers who were Fulbrighters. And I had no clue. I had teachers in high school who did Fulbright. And you ain't Fulbright, you wasn't going to tell me about Fulbright. You know, sometimes you just got to ask the questions because people don't be like open and willing. And, you know, like going abroad is something that we don't think of doing. We think about going to school. We think about getting this job, getting this money. We're in a globalized society where every day we're going to be dealing with people from other countries, immigrants, people who are here for work, people are here for school. And if other countries like send, you know, students over here and we have exchange students, some we have exchange students that go to high schools, that go to college. Like, why are we open to do the same? Because we think that these opportunities are made for us because we think that we can't afford them. But there's so many different ways that you can fund in a broad program. I don't think we realize how much our community would stand behind us when we are doing these things. When I went on my program in 2014, I had teachers donating. I had people that I didn't even know donating, people who had only heard about, you know, what I was doing. I was like, I want to donate. Like, I don't think we realize how many, like, how our own community wants us to succeed so much that 
they will do like what they can to help us, even if they like don't have it. Like my family, I couldn't afford it. But my family, like they reached out to people. They were reaching out to any, everybody, neighborhood, you know, walking through the neighborhood, knocking on doors. Like when I think of how much we did, you know, to fund my Europe program, like my very first program abroad. And I didn't realize how many people wanted, like how many people in the community who don't know you want you to go do these things. They want you to have these opportunities. They want you to go and experience the world. So to to you, to the student who's watching this, to the college student, to the high school student, it's possible. It is so like in our grasp. It's so in our reach, like so much so that we don't think it's there. So we don't even look at it, but it's right there. Like, it's like, you just got to put in a little work. You just got to ask, you know, asking you shall receive. And that's like been how I got here. You know, I'm asking questions and I'm like, talking to people and one you don't realize like your network if I wouldn't have met people and like asked them and things that they have done and like advice and I'm knowing about pro Princeton in Africa and ISEP study abroad and CIE and Meridian like things that I would have had no clue about and don't be afraid like it's it's so like it's so attainable. Naja's adventures in South Korea didn't stop here. She discovered a love for Korean skincare, Korean cuisine, and she even had a chance meeting in South Korea with North Carolina A&T alum, Jesse Jackson. Since leaving South Korea, Naja has completed a study abroad program in Ghana and has studied Spanish in Costa Rica. 